The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. COVID is over. I know that's probably an overblown way to put it, but for uh, to give it the technical definition, the World Health Organization has said that it is no longer a global health emergency. With us is uh, Dr. Margaret Harris, World Health Organization representative. Obviously, Margaret, people will have to a large degree moved on. You don't see a lot of people cocooning. You don't see a lot of people uh, mask wearing to the degree that they once were. The significance, though, of the WHO effectively putting a period at the end of it. Why have you chosen to do it? Good morning, Anton. Uh, The reason is really because, as you say, um, we are seeing that there's evidence of reducing risks to human health. It doesn't mean it's gone, and we still assess it as the global risk is still high, but we've seen a a, a drop, a, a, a very welcome decrease in deaths. We've seen a a decline in in people needing hospitalisation and ICU admission. And the currently circulating variants, which we're tracking very closely, don't seem to be associated with increased severity. So the committee decided, and also, of course, there's high levels of population immunity, thanks to vaccination around the world, and, and, and also people being exposed to the virus, because Omicron just went everywhere. And so for all those reasons, the expert committee advised the Director General that now is the moment to say the acute phase of the emergency is is over. Can you explain a bit of this to me, Margaret? Because I, I've been trying for a long time now to wrap my head around what actually caused the virus to disappear, not to disappear, but to, to, to cease to be a significant impact. And the kind of things that you describe where you say previous infection, we were told that previous infection didn't really help that much because reinfection was relatively easy. We were told with the vaccines that the efficacy was not what we'd hoped for and they needed more boosters. So how did we end up in a position where it is no longer a threat? To what do you attribute the ultimate success? So it's, it's still a threat, Let's be let's be fair. And it's still very much there. What it's not doing is putting large numbers of us in hospitals. So it's not a threat to the health system. And that was one of the main reasons for raising the alarm is to say, don't get your health systems overwhelmed. And we didn't want to ever see the scenes that we all saw where where you know with people lined up in car parks, people dying in cars while waiting to try to get into hospital. Um so what's happened? And and you're right, the coronavirus is notorious for inducing an immunity that doesn't last very long. But there does seem to be a resilience in, in the population. Now, this may be to, let's get really technical, down to our T-cells. The immunologists will know a lot more about We have something called T-cell memory. So even though the antibodies drop quite quickly, there may still be memory in the immune system. Now, the immunologists will know a lot more about this than I do, and they will certainly know a lot more about this down the track. But we are at the stage as the world. We also understand the virus a lot better. We also understand a lot more about what we need to do. So that's another reason for saying we're not in the acute phase, but we're trying to make it clear that it's still there. It hasn't gone away. Can I ask, Margaret, the impact in terms of um, public health measures and public health acceptance? Because as it recedes in significance, you see more and more people coming out saying, see, I told you you didn't need to be vaccinated, saying, see, this whole thing was a hoax, saying we were locked up when we didn't need to be, all of that kind of stuff. Does it leave a legacy of resistance to public health measures that may be problematic in the future? Yeah, that's a really good question because what we did see was a loss of trust in many populations. Now, not all, but 
if you look at the studies of where things have gone well, it they have gone done the populations that have done best are populations that have had a high level of trust in their authorities. Now, I, none of us, and we at WHO, certainly never want to see people locked up. That was really the drastic measure that, that uh, authorities ended up taking because they just had run out of other things to do because this thing had so pressed our health systems and had put us into such uh, dire straits at that time. Uh, but it would be great and what we would like people to understand is that one of the important lessons learned was the thing that made the most difference was that when people were sick they did stay at home or they worked from home and they uh, by sick I mean mild symptoms that you if you have the means of working remotely you can still put in a day's work and your employer can still be fine about it but don't go into the office and the other thing we've really learned is we've got to be serious about ventilation in our in our overcrowded spaces so in our in our schools in our offices not sort of jam everybody together we have to get a, a serious about how we live and work so that we don't get another of these things doing what this coronavirus has done to us for the last three years. Margaret, thank you very much for taking the time for coming on. Thank you again for taking the time for coming on during uh, the pandemic. It is nice for once to talk to you about a relatively positive thing relating to COVID. That is Dr. Margaret Harris, who is World Health Organization representative. 53106 at a cost of 30 cents if you want to get in touch or 087 106 on WhatsApp. Text saying, I always thought the word was coronation, not carnation, meaning flower, which is being pronounced daily on radio programs, says Catherine. Are, are people pronouncing it carnation? I, I hadn't. Maybe is is it... The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.